Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, Deep Space Nine. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Ben, I was flipping through my Star Trek Mad Libs book, uh-huh. and I was, I was becoming despondent because I didn't think there would be any in here that had to do with Deep Space Nine, and then I flipped to the last page. Oh, the yeah? very last page of Star Trek Mad Libs is about Deep Space Nine. Would you like to do that with me? <laughs> I would. One, two. And you people, you're all some kind of Star Trek. Mad Lib. Mad Lib. Some kind of Star Trek. Mad Lib. The first thing I need is a person in room. A person in the room that I'm in? Yeah. Okay. That's a weird one. I, I've been doing Mad Libs. I've been doing Mad Libs my whole life. I, I don't think I've ever seen that one. That's a that's a new clue. Yeah. Pee Wee Herman. Noun. Topo Chico. <laughs> I'm just doing the thing where I look around the room and pick something. You're really uh, Peter Griffining. Yeah. Adjective. Mm, silky. I'll let you your imagination <laughs> tell you what I looked at to come up with that one. Noun. Tribble. Adjective. Foamy. Noun. Memory card. (laughs) Plural noun. Nail clippers. Verb. Sleep. Plural noun. Hmm. Hmm. Pencils. Verb. Fuck. I'm I'm just going into eight-year-old now. (laughs) Noun. I think these are better when you go eight-year-old, so I'm not against it. Okay. <laughs> Butthole. <laughs> Adjective. Uh, swole. Animal. Dog. Verb ending in ing. They can't just put gerund. Nope. Uh, porking. Adjective. Licking. Article of clothing. Cockring. Adjective. Textured. Then the title of this Mad Lib is a tour of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> Being so close to the Pee Wee Herman wormhole and having access to the Gamma Topachico brings a lot of silky beings to Deep Space Nine, mm. which is very exciting. It also allows for interstellar tribble and foamy conflict. But life on a space memory card isn't all excitement and nail clippers. Starships come and sleep. <laughs> And you need to help nearby pencils on a day-to-day basis, plus you have to fuck with the Ferengi while dealing with the founders who can change buttholes at will. (laughs) One day, your buddy will be a swole woman. Sure. And the next day, a dog. Mm. But porking with Captain Sisko and Commander Norris all the time is totally licking. So hang on to your cock ring and get ready for the time of your life, textured years on Deep Space Nine. Wow. That's interesting that that's the only Deep Space Nine one in that book. I know. It's definitely post-season three information in there, right? This is copyright 2016. Huh. So, uh... What the hell? I don't know. I, we had been going in order on this, and they and there are ones about the movies. There are ones about Star Trek Voyager. 
they they kind of bounce around. There's there's TNG stuff in here. Yeah. Uh, but uh, only one that I could find that was Deep Space Nine related. So there you go. Wow. Hey Adam, I got a uh, a package that's addressed to us. Do you think I should open it on air real quick? One of the rare episodes with two different uh, Marin <laughs> opens in one. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's the uh, end of the season, so we could we could blow it out. Have at man. You don't want that food spoiling. Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code forty-seven. Verify. It is code forty-seven, sir. Start lead emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. Yeah, that's that's sort of what I was thinking. It got sent to the. MaximumFun.org mothership and our good buddy Danny Baruela let us know that uh, that he had a priority mailbox for us. That's appropriate, right? The fact that it was priority mail is what makes me concerned that there might be something that could spoil in here. Mm. Oh, but I... Now that I see what is within the box, I'm, I'm looking at a, an inner container that says, not for food use. Food consumed from this plate may be harmful. Can you guess what that might be, Adam? I, I have a hope and a suspicion that it is a uh, Franklin Mint plate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the same, it's the same like, octagonal styrofoam container that my uh, my wharf plate uh, lives in. It's a warrior's I, plate. Yeah. I haven't gotten around to ordering the commemorative plate hanging brackets that I need. But now now that I have two, I feel like I can't avoid the issue any longer. Do you want to take a guess at who is depicted on the plate before I open it? The moment I, I buy those brackets for the wall bin, uh, my marriage is over. So <laughs> that would be a real suicide by cop situation on my part. Yeah. Were I to make such an order. You have the problem of your recording space is sort of part of the living room or the den or something in your house. Never so, used to be that way. Yeah, my my recording space is 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 kind of my my own studio, mm-hmm. at least in this apartment. So, I have free dispensation to decorate it however I want. But uh, you want to you want to throw out a guess at who's going to be on this plate when I open it up? I am going to guess Deep Space Nine era war. Oh wow, uh, interesting guess. There does not appear to be a note of any kind, but. Uh, the uh, the from label says Hubert, last name withheld, mm. and uh, no return address from Hubert. So <laughs> that's a combination that's typically threatening. Yeah, yeah. Hubert, uh, uh, this could just gas me to death when I when I open it up. It could be some sort of wow. triggered triggered device. Well, at least I got that last Mad Libs in before the end. Oh, man, Adam, it is a red shirt, but it is not Deep Space Nine Wharf. It is Commander Riker William T. Hey. On this on this plate. And uh, I would say that they have even exaggerated the squareness of Commander Riker's jaw a little bit in this painting. He's looking extra hunky on this, on this commemorative plate. <laughs> Definitely don't want to besmirch the fine people working at the Franklin Mint. However, uh, their caricatures of some of our favorite characters have missed a couple yeah. of times. I'm, I'm speaking specifically of eyeliner Captain Picard. Oh, yeah. But also, uh, it looks like Lantern Jaw Commander Riker. Can you shoot me a pic of that? Can you oh, Jackie and Lori me that, uh, that plate? Yeah. Of course. 
Jackie and Laurieing refers to uh, another show on the Maximum Fun Network featuring Jackie Cation and Laurie Kilmartin, where they often talk shit about other comedians and write the name on a piece of paper and pass it back and forth between each other so that they don't have to reveal precisely about whom they are talking shit to the listening audience. Yeah, and and in this case, you're just talking shit about a plate. <laughs> yeah, and... In this case, it's the uh, it's the Franklin Mint that I'm really talking shit about. I don't hate the Franklin Mint. I hate what they made Commander Riker become. <laughs> wow, he's sticking that chest out. Yeah, this is uh, plate number three seven six three B from the Hamilton collection, and uh, there's a certificate of authenticity here, signed by James P. Smith Jr., Chairman. Comma, the Hamilton collection. It has zero value without that certificate of authenticity, Ben. I'm really glad you have that part. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you, uh, Hubert, or whoever you are, if that is your real name. Last name, name withheld? Yeah, yeah, which is a, a flophouse thing, to speak mm. of another Maximum Fun podcast. Boy, really spreading it around here. Yeah. Uh, just filling our show with ads, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> You're always jealously guarding our show from mentions of anything else. Just mentions of better shows is what I defend against mostly. <laughs> uh, hard, hard to think of a show that isn't better than this, Adam. Yeah, that's true. And, and uh, hard to imagine a show that's better than a season finale on a Star Trek series. And uh, that's what we're here today to talk about. It's the season finale of season four of Deep Space Nine, and it's called Broken Link. Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of course you don't. So the uh, opening scene is Odo no, Mr. being summoned to Garrick's tailoring shop. And uh, Garrick has kind of positioned himself as... As, as a matchmaker in this scene. Security Chief Odo, I'd like to introduce you to Shalon Arroyo, one of my best customers. Odo initially thinks that this is like some kind of security issue, uh, but uh, but it's not. Eric's looking to set Odo up with a lovely Bajoran woman. A lovely Bajoran woman who is all up on Odo's dock. <laughs> Like, there, she is not subtle at all. No, she's heard that he can change the size and shape of his dong, and she wants at it. And she is the owner of a new Bajoran restaurant on the promenade, and she is wondering why Odo does nothing but walk by on patrols and does not come and partake of her ample buffet. She's the restaurateur, but it is Garrick who is serving the snacks today. Uh, she's laying it on real thick. It makes me wonder uh, how adorned her food is in her restaurant, if it's, oh. uh, if it's especially sauce heavy. Oh, you think uh, she might over over garnish her, yeah. her dishes? I do get that feeling. Hmm. Boy, she is like one half step back from obnoxiously flirty. She is instead <laughs> just very aggressively flirty. Yeah. yeah. In a way that could be perceived as science fiction to some people. <laughs> I have certainly never had a woman come on this strong. Yeah. But Odo, bit of a snack himself, so uh, so who knows? Would you trust Garrick to set you up? I think I might. Yeah, hard to say. I mean, like, uh, 
He's he's very untrustworthy in many things, but I don't feel like he would. Uh, he's untrustworthy in in the areas of love. He has deep knowledge of of basically everyone on the station. You'd have to assume. And <laughs> he's done an extensive background check. She's been she's undergone extreme vetting. I kind of feel that way, and and I I think this is one of the reasons why Garrick chastises Odo so much for <laughs> blowing it with her, because clearly Garrick had put a lot of time and thought into this match, and Odo just like he's <laughs> he's like the kid you're like trying to play catch with, and you like underhand toss the ball at them, and it hits them in the chest and <laughs> falls down, and then their reaction time like claps their hands together. Yeah, he's lolled this ball. Yeah. Yeah, he's totally done that. Uh, not good, Odo. She walks out and Odo does not make a date with her, uh, does not close the deal in a, in a way that really pisses Garrick off. You should be locked away for that. But they don't have much time to talk about this because Odo is suddenly overcome with a, a fit of goop. <laughs> and uh, he collapses on the floor. And uh, Garrick actually comes and uses Odo's com badge to radio to Bashir that uh, there's a medical emergency. Garrick goes over to the wall and his AED and, like, puts the paddles into the goo. (laughs) It's not working! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is a a goo into show open for Deep Space Nine. Sure is. Not looking good. And so we get Odo in the in the six bay on the bio bed, and at this point he's looking pretty standard. He's not he's not super drippy yet. Yeah, because we know by now there is a stages of Odo situation with him that that we've seen before. Yeah, and that can kind of go two different directions, right? It can go like kind of shaggy direction, uh-huh, yeah. where he looks like a uh, a no need bread dough before it's risen overnight. Uh-huh. <laughs> or it can go in the like super drippy direction, which is the aesthetic choice that they went with for this episode. There is a direction that they don't even get close to in this episode, which is Odo is only hurting throughout this episode, but but he is never a danger to the station or anyone else as his body starts to fail. Oh, you're you're thinking like he could like get liquidy and like melt into the floor and start corroding some of the systems. Or, like, accidentally he gets really big and throws Bashir across the room. Like, Oh, yeah. He's predictably deteriorating right? Uh, and not unpredictably deteriorating. Yeah, the, kind of, the dialogue and the visuals felt a little unsynced because Bashir keeps saying, like, oh, your, your density and, and your molecular structure are swinging wildly. Mm-hmm. But mostly... Odo is just getting goopier and goopier and occasionally having gold, you know, appear on the surface of his body. Hey, Mikey, go to the bathroom. It would be great if his density were changing to such a degree that, like, he was attractive to objects in the room. Like, suddenly (laughs) pieces of metal are, like, slapping against him and, like, stuff's going into orbit around his face. Yeah. There's kind of two theories, right? It's either Odo is sick or this is some phase of changeling life that they are not aware of and puberty and menopause are tossed out as potential points of comparison he's going through changes lots of changes like my mother which i thought was fun either way though odo has to remain in the infirmary so that bashir can diagnose this 
Also, some Gowron news, Adam. They're watching, uh, they're having like a, a McLaughlin group. Issue one. Up in the wardroom, and uh, Gowron is uh, threatening war over a sector called the Arcanus Sector. He wants to put the anus back in Arcanus. This really felt to me like a Gowron tweeted situation, you know, <laughs> because it's very one directional. This is a recording. This is not a conversation. Yeah. This is Cisco quote tweeting it and saying, this is not normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's watching this message with Worf, Dax, and Kira. And uh, what Gowron is saying is that he's demanding this territory, as you've said, and uh, demanding withdrawals from that territory in order to claim it. War is sort of inevitable at this point. This guy's making demands that the Federation can't possibly capitulate to. Right. The the demands are, like, fairly outrageous. Like, the Arcana Sector is something that the Klingons ceded to whoever's there now over a hundred years ago. It's settled law, and suddenly he's moving it back onto the board as a thing that's potentially under threat. Gowron wrongly assumes that just because he's had Arcanus one time, that it's on the table every time. Mm, and and yeah. the thing that Gowron needs to know is you need to ask and prepare every time. Yeah, the Arcanus is something that can be fun for everybody involved, but it takes a little bit of advanced warning for uh, right. for the Arcanus part of that equation. Yeah. I really liked the shot of Kira, Dax, and Worf in this scene. It's kind of—I think it's a tilt shift lens that they shot mm-hmm. it on because they're—they're sort of at an angle to the plane of the camera, but they're all three in focus. Yeah, I noticed that too. It's either a triple diopter or the lens is actually tilted so that they can all three be in focus. But it's really cool looking. Uh, yeah, because they're talking about this Gowron situation, but they're also talking about Odo and this scene, the way that it's blocked as you've described, and also by virtue of its dialogue feels super quippy and sharp to me in a way that really stuck out. Like, it's not just dialogue between two people or even three people. Like, they're really hitting the ball back and forth. All four of them are. Was Dax's last host as argumentative as this one? Worse. Thank you, Benjamin. <laughs> yeah, like, the the topics of conversation in the scene are, like, a very close friend and colleague of ours is is mysteriously ill and our civilization is about to go to war but the tone is super jokey it feels friends quippy yeah (laughs) Worf is really the chandler of this scene (laughs) yeah yeah i guess so uh i guess that makes uh kira the rachel (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's the rachel is dax the phoebe or is she the monica oh dax is the monica okay cisco's definitely ross oh for sure uh, <laughs> uh, it is a bit also like a Gowron tweeted situation where it's like, like if we all capitulate our mood to how fucked up this is, we'll all be in a terrible mood all the time. Right. Let's discuss anything else but this. Right. The argument to the extent that it could be called one is how much care to give a friend while they're hurting. Like they know Odo's in the infirmary. Uh, they all seem to agree that Odo doesn't want company, but Kira doesn't prescribe to this because when we cut to the infirmary after the scene, Kira has visited Odo, but instead of a, a, a small gift shop teddy bear or, uh, <laughs> or like a mug of flowers or whatever, uh, she brings what Odo wants most, which is a criminal activities report on a pad. Yeah, I feel, I, I feel like if I was in the hospital, having an iPad would be really great. Just, you know, kind of feel connected to the world. 
Yeah, they're not going to have those in the hospital gift shop, though, I bet. Yeah. You know, he's been told that moving around is something that could potentially exacerbate his condition. Yeah. And uh, he he swiftly ignores that advice, uh, the advice to stay bedridden, because he's, like, down in some cargo bay catching a purple-haired lady who's pulled some kind of diamond heist. Did you recognize her? This is Renage. The uh, This is the Boslick lady who gave Quark Lee Nallis's earring, like, last uh, season. Yeah, Same she, lady. She looked familiar, but I couldn't place it. When I watch Rene Abergenois walk around in this state, the thing that came to mind was, have you ever had to get out of a pool and then put on jeans, for example? <laughs> like, when you're wet and you're, and you're wearing dry clothes, there's a way that you walk that is, like, very uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, and yeah. It, and Odo is that. Odo is wet, and he's wearing clothes. They're not really clothes, but you know what I mean? Like, that's sort of the read I get on his acting, his physical acting, and I think it's great. That's a strong choice on his part. Golden Cotton. The cut. Golden Cotton. So. So uh, he turns into a puddle, and we smash cut to him in Six Bay, and he is in much worse shape. He's... He's way wetter. He's way goopier. He's got some real grumble guts, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's covered with a blanket that I wondered initially if that was him or not, because we've seen him turn part of himself into a blanket before. Great question. But uh, but then he like he pulls it back and reveals that uh, that his belly is all is all golden right now, and Bashir licks his lips but manages to suppress his desire to to get a big lick. Odo has exposed basically a Civil War battlefield injury to his chest, <laughs> and no one, and it's not a gross out. Yeah, people are not, uh, I mean, maybe that's just Bashir's professionalism. Here's the thing. It's clear Odo is having trouble holding it together. Shouldn't Bashir be providing a bucket or a bedpan for him? Like, wouldn't Odo be more comfortable if he were in a liquid state than, like, white-knuckling himself? into being a solid for the time that he is? I wondered that. Could Odo, like, be mostly goo, but just have his head pop out of the bucket <laughs> from time to time? <laughs> that would be great. How you doing there, Odo? I'm doing okay. <laughs> just a head in a bedpan. Yeah, with an iPad floating in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the suggestion is raised by Bashir that they go to Bajor so that Odo can work with Dr. Mora on right. this uh, problem. But Odo kicks that idea right out of bed and uh, also uh, is not interested in going to Starfleet Medical. He, uh, and then under his breath, Bashir's like, or like option three, you could you could go to the Golden Lake with the Hunters. <laughs> 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 Odo's like, what was that third one? That that actually sounds pretty great. And Bashir's like, I could beam down with you. <laughs> Golden Lake, you say. <laughs> <laughs> An entire lake that's gold. Yeah. Delicious. So uh, so the plan is that they're going to go to the G-Quad and uh, see if they can't find them some founders to get Odo in touch with. And this is a defiant mission. Uh, it's a defiant mission that Kira is not going to be going on. It's all but stated that she's being left behind because she's pregnant, right? <laughs> that is the subtext. I thought that there could be like an interesting 
C storyline in this that they they didn't avail themselves of, which is Kira is in the military and does dangerous shit from time to time, and it is partly because of that that she is carrying Miles and Keiko's baby. But does that mean like the requirements that the Bajoran militia require you know have of her are going to change while she's pregnant? Like, is there a negotiation to be had between her and Miles and Keiko about what the expectations are? Well, that's exactly where my head went. Like, you get you get a bunch of O'Brien in this episode where he's just shooting the shit on the bridge. But what if those scenes were instead some antipathy that O'Brien feels towards Kira about her even being there? Right. But, uh, yeah, so they, they don't do anything with that and uh, instead... Uh, Kira gets left behind, left in command of the station, and all the Starfleets pile into the Defiant and uh, are waiting for Odo to to show up uh, when Garrick uh, requests uh, to come aboard. Right. Garrick wants to go on this mission so that he can figure out whether or not there are Cardassian survivors from the attack on the Dominion. Early on, and Cisco in this moment needs to come up with a reason for him to stay that is not that. Right. And in the moment, Cisco's idea is that well, maybe you can just be bedside Garrick with Odo for the duration of the mission, and this is these are terms that Garrick agrees to. We share the same priorities, Captain. I liked the uh, the couple of security guys in the room when when Cisco makes this arrangement with Garrick. Uh, Carrick is suggesting that they add some scarves to their Starfleet uniforms, which, uh, you know, Starfleet people are not into conspicuous consumption or or displays of wealth like that, you know? He should know that. Garrick's utility is basically to be the the newsprint Sudoku book for Odo during the the voyage. Right. And like we were questioning before about uh, they're not being a bucket or a bedpan for Odo. They goop walk Odo from the infirmary to the little D. Yeah. Anybody who's uh, taken a walk of slime before knows how this feels. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, the tone of this moment is meant to be significant. It, I mean, he, he like pulls down the front of his tunic. He, he stands up straight and he does the walk. Like this is meant to be uh, a powerful moment for this character. And I think it's it's effective. Yeah, I. It made me feel something for him. It made me feel bad that they weren't going like telling everybody to clear out. You know, he he's like walking down the promenade, and there's a lot of extras standing, just kind of gawking at him. Yeah, that's not really what he wants, you know. Like, and and no, like it's Kira and Bashir walking with him, and neither of them is like, "Hey, guys, come on, give him some room. Like, nothing to see here." Right. Just a just a goopy man walking to a spaceship. This is how I look now, okay? I'm <laughs> I'm trying something different. <laughs> Have you ever had a haircut that didn't quite flatter your face? <laughs> You've been telling me for years I should try something new. Well, here it is. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> One little scene with Quark where uh, they kind of make a gentleman's agreement that Quark should not go totally crime sick while Odo is gone. It's a nice little moment where Quark gloats about the many opportunities he's going to have to do crime while Odo's away as cover for how badly he wants Odo to recover and return. Yeah, they uh, they express their love to each other through their professionalism. 
right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the little D disembarks and heads through the wormhole, and we get like passage of time cross cutting. You know, like we get some laughs on the Little D bridge. Yeah. We get uh, Garrick keeping Odo company with his tales of spycraft. Maybe assassinating some important Romulan. It's weird to do this sequence because so little happens in these three scenes. Like we end on O'Brien describing like the weird paranoia he feels about living with Keiko and Kira. Yeah. And like conversations that they may be having. Right. A, uh, a perfect opportunity for that. C storyline that would have been very meaningful to a lot of people, I think. Uh, what it does is sort of serve the weight that the ship has to do because they've gone into the G Quad without their cloak up. They're sort of wandering in the bad part of town, like driving a nice automobile yeah. and like wearing a suit, like just sort of <laughs> waiting. <laughs> and uh, it isn't long before a swarm of, of Jem'Hadar ticks appears. Yeah, like a dozen ticks come out of nowhere. And kind of before they have even arranged anything uh, over Hales, Change Leader and a bunch of Jem'Hadar just appear on the bridge. I've come for Odo. And it's such a confidence from her and the Jem'Hadar to, to beam aboard right as Cisco and gang are like impotently trying to figure out, well, how are we going to greet them? Are we going to go over there? Are we going to meet them in the transporter room? Like, <laughs> it's a nice fuck you that yeah. Change Leader and the Jem'Hadar do here. That one guy almost pulls O'Brien's heart out of his chest. Yeah, that really looks like it hurt. Yeah. Was he grabbing onto Colomini's chest hair? Oh, yeah, he was getting him by the short and curlies. I don't know what that's like. If that gem had already grabbed me in the chest, he'd just be grabbing skin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't, you don't have anything to grab. <laughs> you have no dough on your on your sternum. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it would be like grabbing a, a sourdough start. <laughs> I felt like it was noteworthy that the Jem Hadar with Change Leader are not predicting what she wants. You know? Like they are still just like you know, raising their gun at everybody and like... Well, they're never going to get a promotion like that, Ben. Right, but like, you would think that they would be sort of like the honor guard and they would be like especially good at kind of anticipating what she wants them to be doing at any given moment. That's super interesting because change leader being the most important or significant founder would indicate that her guard would be the best. And these yeah. guys are just as doofy as any of the others. They're, they're standard issue Jem Hadar. Yeah. It'd be funny if she were just complaining about the help all the time. <laughs> and there are a few scenes where, where she like has to correct uh, those around her. Yeah, she's like she's constantly telling them to put their rifles down and, and, and yeah. you know, draw down. Yeah. But uh, she goes down to, uh, to see Odo... And uh, she uh, she gives him a handshake that uh, brings him back to about 80%, I would say. Uh, he feels better but not cured, and that's yeah. crucial. He's not drippy, but he's still wet. Yeah, uh, so they sort of clear the room at this point. They need to have a private moment. I thought it was really fucked up that she uh, turned to her Jem'Hadar and, and 
said, this is not for your ears. Like, that is uh-huh. just a really cruel choice of words for yeah. a Jem Hadar, right? <laughs> I mean, ooh. <laughs> like, you genetically designed me. I, there's nothing I can do about this, change leader. <laughs> Come on. Everyone leaves, and that means that change leader can start ripping on Odo for the Kira Shakar relationship again, which is something that change leader always brings up. We still take an active interest in your well-being. She knows Odo's secret, and uh, at every turn they have made Odo vulnerable to them. And, uh, and It's a lot like the power move of beaming straight to the bridge. This is a demonstration of how much she is capable of knowing about Odo at any given time. Yeah. And, and by coming right out with his deepest secret again. Yeah. Remember how we know that? Kind of hurts. Yeah. She's pissed at Odo for killing a changeling. Like, it doesn't take long to get there in the conversation. And uh, it's because we know from before that no changeling has harmed another before Odo did. And so it kind of puts Odo in a unique circumstance. Uh, change leader has had to go back to the golden pool and figure out a way to adjudicate this. Yeah. Like they have no, there's no path to prosecution here. They needed to come up with something on the spot. The changeling system of jurisprudence has no law to fit his crime. <laughs> right. And so she is proposing that Odo come back to the founder's homeworld, the new founder's homeworld and stand trial to not do that would mean Odo will die. So here's the thing, Adam. The whole premise of this is that this sickness is sort of changeling for you're under arrest. Yeah. It is forcing him to return to the Golden Lake. But it also kind of undercuts the whole premise of this thing. Because like, if, it, if no changeling has ever done harm to another changeling and he defies their wish for the, him to come back, then they have done harm to him. And their crime is just as bad as his. I would say that they've done harm to him just by making him sick. So what the fuck are we talking about? I think you failed to see the hypocrisy of this proposal, <laughs> change leader. <laughs> I, you know, it's like a certain type of uh, political leader doesn't care about hypocrisy, you know? Right. And so there is no choice for Odo. He accepts these terms. Yeah, and that sort of Jem'Hadar motorcade with the little D as limo uh, headed to the new uh, Changeling homeworld, which I guess they they, they uh, had to move houses when their address got out on the internet. This is really irritating to Dax, who is made to leave the helm. You'll be informed when we reach our destination. Yeah, and they're like scrambling the navigation computer so that it won't be able to find the planet again. It's like when someone borrows your car and changes all the radio stations. <laughs> Super annoying. Oh, come on. You reprogrammed my, uh, my, my seat settings? Give me a fucking break. After this moment between Change Leader and Odo, Garrett confronts Change Leader in the hallway outside the infirmary, and the conversation does not go well, Garrick. Yeah, yeah. It is rough because Garrick innocently asks a question about the aftermath of this battle and he's like look I'd like to learn if there were any survivors after our attack on your homeland and change leader is like they're dead you're dead Cardassia is dead not only are there no survivors 
I'm looking at a dead fucking phone right now. <laughs> like, she goes so dark and basically just obliterates Garrick in that hallway. Like, I'm yeah. going to genocide your, your entire people for that. Ask a dumb fucking question again, Garrick. I dare you. It was a pleasure meeting you. It's like uh, Garrick engaged in the logical fallacy that it does not hurt to ask. Oof. Boy, does it hurt to ask. Yeah. It's weird because Change Leader is not an emotive character, but what she does here is utterly withering. Yeah. In the mess hall, uh, there's sort of a mess hall McLaughlin group. Issue two. Are you going to be able to find a drop of uh, McLaughlin saying issue two for the (laughs) (laughs) mess hall McLaughlin group? I'll try. But he really didn't. They're trying to figure out how to keep track of Odo once he's in the Golden Pond. Oh, yeah. They want to, like, lowjack Odo (laughs) so that they can get him back if they need to. It's one of those rare scenes in Star Trek, I feel like, where every idea is shot down and there is no resolution by the end of it. They're like, well, I guess Bashir and Sisko can beam down and just hang out. And Odo is like, hey, like, don't even try because I actually want to undergo this judgment because I I think Odo is basically saying like I felt like it was a righteous kill like that guy that was gonna he was gonna he was sneaking around on the little d trying to like disengage the safeties on the warp core or something right right so he was gonna kill like Odo would have died right if that had if that had worked yeah so another moment of hypocrisy from the uh the changeling leadership here but yeah, so he's he's kind of eager to uh, to go make his case and uh, have his day in court. I'm making my defense justifiable homicide. <laughs> what do you think? I know this is a little bit unorthodox, but uh, I have declined your offer of a public defender. I'm going to defend myself. <laughs> Odo turns both of his hands into gavels. <laughs> I... I'm like Sir Anthony Hopkins and Fracture. I've planned this all out ahead of time. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pale. I'm fucking a pale. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my living state. I don't use the bucket anymore. So when they beam down, Change Leader walks into the pool. You know, there are people who jump into a pool and those who, like, walk down the stairs into a pool. Yeah, I gotta jump in because, it. you know, once it gets to my... uh, my more sensitive bits, you know, it, it, it's just too much, you know, you gotta, you gotta rip the bandaid off, just jump right in. I would say I'm probably 50, 50, uh, half what the, the time fuck? I, I'm a, half the time I'm a pool walker, the other half I'm a, I'm a pool jumper. Wow. You're a, you're a crazy man. I know it's weird, but I was expecting Odo to follow her in with the cannonball. Come Odo, it's time. Yahoo! <laughs> He's learned a lot from the solids, Ben. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Bashir would just like run and try and get some of the splash on him. <laughs> <laughs> nim 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 nim. <laughs> He's like uh, Bashir's like like trying to skip rocks and that shit. I, I thought that would have been really funny. I thought the comedy in this episode was not good, except for that moment. The rock skipping was a good moment. That was really good. They're down there for an undetermined amount of time they're warned that the trial could take a long time and cisco says at some point well we'll just wait it out like i don't care they didn't bring like a tent or 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 like a camp stove or anything 
It's one of those environments that should be more sensory than it is because it basically, it looks like planet Instagram filter <laughs> and it looks like a place that would smell very exotic. It's it's planet every Instagram filter too. Like, yeah. It's 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 dark and gloomy. It's all all the filters stacked on top of each other. It's a much less verdant place than the other changeling planet. Like there's just a little outcropping of rock, and then everything as far as the eye can see is piss. The only sense we get is sight, though. We don't even really get too much of the like viscous sound of yeah. a golden lake or or like a steam element or or a smell for what this might be. Because I've got to imagine. This lake cannot smell good. It just can't. Like, the only thing you have to take a shower in is other changelings? <laughs> Where do the changelings shit? Into each other? What is an adjective for, like, an amoeba? Like, are they amoebic in that way? Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, one of the ways we get we experience the passage of time is Worf catching Garrick trying to shimoda the torpedo controls in... Right. One of the Jeffries tubes. And uh, he and Garrick get in like a full-blown fist fight because Garrick has uh, endeavored to commit genocide. You were trying to override the launch controls for the quantum torpedoes. I thought it was pretty interesting that Worf came down so hard on on the other side of this. He does. He's not saying like, well, I agree with you. I have orders not to do that. It wouldn't be surprising for Worf to take that position. What he's saying is, we're not here to start a war. Garrick, your proposal is interesting. However, (laughs) I only shoot at cargo ships. (laughs) The only only orb that I will obliterate completely is my brother's head. (laughs) Garrick goes from zero to ten here so quickly. You cut from that hallway scene with Garrick to this scene right after, and there's no middle ground between them did you need some connective tissue between the two because garrick's actions come as such a surprise and i want to be clear i love what he's doing here and i think his reasoning for it is fairly compelling to a type of person like i love the put it all on the line science fiction plan that he's got it's it's the blow up the damn ship plan from from first contact right like what are what are you real willing to lose to to win this war Derek asks Worf and Worf is not willing to do it yeah I mean uh I guess to answer your question I uh did not feel like I needed connective tissue I feel like you can just do the math on where Garrick was by these two scenes and and I kind of like that about it yeah, I think I do too. But he is uh he has stopped from doing the deed and uh we cut back to the uh the little rocky outcropping on the piss planet and uh Odo is spat back out of the drink a nude man. Odo, are you all right? He's not wearing his uh his uniform anymore. Uh and uh Bashir starts tricordering him and he's like, "Captain, I'm getting some strange readings. He's got lungs, he's got a heart, he's got a crank that stays one size unless it's erect, in which case it's a slightly different size. But he's definitely a shower, not a grower. He kind of flicks the side of it. He's like, check this out, (laughs) Captain Sisko. (laughs) Look at what it's doing here. (laughs) 
And now here. Uh, who gets to determine, you know, what's okay, you know, and then what's weird? I think we can tell the temperature of the golden pool uh, yeah. by the size of Odo's crank <laughs> after he's pulled from it. He had previously been flailing around in a style that would get the attention of a lifeguard, Ben. Oh, sure, yeah. But neither Cisco nor Bashir jump in to try and, to try and save him. Change leader comes out and explains what has happened. Uh, they have uh, they have solidified him. Yeah, Odo's been sentenced to solidity. And uh, and genetically, he's human, right? He's like he's not Bajoran or Cardassian. He's human. Yeah, because in the infirmary, Bashir says he's got typo negative blood. Yeah, and he is human, but his face remains founders like as a punishment. Ben, I've often thought that my face was a punishment for something that I did. <laughs> so I think Odo's now become my favorite character. Yeah. Did you think that that was intentionally a little Sistine Chapel tableau when they beamed up from the Changeling planet when Odo reaches his hand out? I think you could make the case for that. Kind of, kind of an interesting composition, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, so they're back on the station... Odo uh, gets a blood test, and Bashir is very disappointed when it doesn't go gold. Yeah. And then Odo has to get fitted for baby's first real clothing. Yeah, because uh, Garrick, having proposed genocide to Worf, uh, is free to go back and work at his station job again. Well, he's free until such time as he has fitted Odo for a uniform, but then Odo is going to take him and lock him up for six months. Weird order of operations here. Yeah. Maybe he was, like, you know, accused of the crime, but, like, released uh, on bail while <laughs> while the trial was uh, proceeded, and now he has to, like, report to jail. Odo can now blame his bad attitude on being hungry. Yeah. Because he is hungry in this scene, which eventually means he'll have to shit also. Mm. He's, he's going to have a pretty interesting day. And Bashir just leans in, and also piss. <laughs> yeah, um, Arroya enters the scene to kind of soften the blow of becoming human. She is someone who offers comfort to Odo, and Odo is, I wouldn't say open to this, but open to this in a way that he wasn't in the first scene. Yeah, she says, uh, you know, being humanoid has its advantages. Take pleasure in your body. <laughs> relish in your body <laughs> Odo grabs a uh, textbook and puts it in front of his crotch yeah walks down the promenade uh, later on Odo's talking to Cisco about his experience and um, he's getting flashbacks to his time submerged in the golden pond and uh, understandably he said he does not want time off of work because his job was really the foundation for his whole existence and he's got to keep doing it to feel normal kind of makes sense yeah i think cisco is uh, able to understand that they're having a conversation about this when uh everybody runs to the tv store next to the uh, constabulary office and is watching as every channel broadcasts Gowron making a, a proclamation on uh, whatever the Federation equivalent of CNN. He is uh, going to war to, to take the Arcanus system. And uh, Odo has some tea to spill from his experience in the Great Link about what's going on. W slash R slash T Gowron. Gowron, the head of the Klingon Empire, 
is a changeling. It sure seems like the sort of thing that after that two-part episode on Earth, where there was changeling infiltration of the Federation president, that a little bit of knowledge sharing might have been a good idea. (laughs) Like, even with your enemy, right? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But that is the, that's the dun-dun-dun to summer break. That's what the red phone is for. Yeah, you gotta use that red phone, guys. Yeah, we dun-dun-dun into a summer break after Deep Space Nine Season 4. And you're left to wonder, what's gonna happen in Season 5? There's this 10-day deadline that Golden Gowron has put on the table. Yeah. Looks like, looks like there's gonna be some war. An interesting question at the end of this episode is, is season five episode one 10 days from now or is it six months from now yeah is it is it garrick uh getting getting you know released from prison and being our proxy catching us up for six months of war with the klingons or is it the equivalent of uh best of both worlds part two where we just pick up right where we left off i feel like for many season finales both of the two-part variety and of the just contiguous season-to-season variety, we've picked up right where we've left off. So it would be interesting if there were a slip in time here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm very curious. Did you like the episode, Adam? I liked everything about this episode except its attempts at comedy, save for the stone-skipping scene like i uh kira the show does so much work to build kira up into a complex uh fighting character but also like a like a strong feminine role model like that's what she is yeah and i feel like to joke her up with a bunch of sleaze with a bunch of sneezing while pregnant like I don't, it feels like she's being made fun of, and I don't like that. That's where I'm at with this. What about yeah. you? Yeah, it kind of makes pregnancy the punchline in a weird way, too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would so love to replace that stuff with more O'Brien and Keiko triangulated with Kira. Like, they they just barely scratch into that. That's such an interesting dilemma to explore too. Like, like if what if Kira wants to keep doing all of the dangerous stuff and is like, yeah, like I didn't ask for this baby to be in me, so I'm gonna keep doing my job the same way I would do it, whether or not I was pregnant. You know, like that would be fascinating. I'm fully expecting season five to start with Nana Visator being not pregnant anymore because that's how the summer break goes in a production schedule. But like, what a missed opportunity if they were able to construct a reason for this to happen and then derive none of the conflicts from it. Yeah. That would be unfortunate. Indeed, Adam. Uh, Well, uh, you know what's never unfortunate is the inbox of Priority One messages that we read on every episode. Do you want to check those out with your boy? Sure do. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Ben, our first Priority One message is from CC. It is for Drew. 
The message goes like this. Drew, happy birthday to the better half of our dynamic duo. The waistcoat warrior to my arts marketing maven. Hmm? The mint frosting to my cellular peptide cake. You are all kinds of awesome. May you continue to bring glory and honor to your house. Kapla! Wow. What a lovely message. Nicely written, Cece. We need some arts marketing. How do, how do we market this pie? I guess the, I don't want to call this podcast art. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even a joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, happy birthday, Drew. Sounds like you're, you got a great partner there in Cece. Indeed. Uh, we have another Priority One message, Adam. Another birthday. It's from Rich, and it's to Adrian. Happy birthday, Adrian. Though you'll probably hear it 420 days late. And actually, sorry, I hate interrupting Priority One messages, but I remember Adrian from our first San Francisco show. Remember her? With the dreads? How are you doing, Adrian? (laughs) Actually, the rest of this P1 isn't that interesting. So let's go to the next one. Well, we're done with Priority One messages for the day, Rich. And uh, I take great umbrage at you putting words in my mouth. Great umbrage. Wow. But I feel like I do remember Adrian. So happy birthday, Adrian, even if this is super late. Happy birthday, Adrian. I totally remember Adrian. Yeah. I think our deal with San Francisco live shows is uh, January. That's when to to look for a live show in SF. Yeah, I think so. Uh, in what is becoming uh, one of our favorite times of year, that San Francisco Sketch Fest. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to leave a Priority One message, you know what to do. You head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal message, and it is 200 bucks for a commercial message. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! Yeah, I found my Drunk Shimoda in that scene where Change Leader uh, has walked into the Little D's infirmary to talk to Odo. Mm-hmm. And there are levels to emptying the room that happen here based on her relative strength as a character. Like, she's the heavy in the room. Yeah. And so and so she dismisses the humans, and then she dismisses the Jem Hadar, and then for whatever reason, one of the security men doesn't consider him either. <laughs> and he is given instructions to leave, and security man nods at Odo like he has any agency in that moment at all. And that choice by that actor was very funny to me. Yeah. So, That was something that I noticed. Not the first weird behavior from a security person in this episode, but that was the one that I clung to. Yeah, that 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 one security guy. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the last guy to leave the room. I'm gonna I'm gonna let this Jemhadar go before me. <laughs> Maybe if I stay perfectly still, yeah. uh, no one will notice. <laughs> I liked that too. My Shimoda is also in this scene. It's hey. Doctor Bashir. Uh-huh. When uh, when Change Leader opens the door back up and she says, you can go back in, his line read on thank you. Thank you. Is like so withering. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I really appreciate being allowed back into my six bay. That's great. Everything about that room scene, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> a lot to unpack. Yeah. Gotta get that, get that gold press
Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings they send in uh, crochet work it's so cool and uh i want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters i want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves and you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use squarespace it'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code scarves to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Uh, what are we unpacking for the season premiere of season five of Deep Space Nine? Season five, episode one is called Apocalypse Rising. Cisco, Odo, O'Brien, and Worf enter Klingon territory 
on a suicide mission to expose Gowron, the Klingon leader, as a changeling. Damn. Wow. Human Odo. Yeah. The little thumbnail of of Odo for this episode is uh, him uh, staring into a half-drunk glass of beer. So (laughs) I guess we'll also get to see what it's like when Odo gets drizzunk. I wonder how long we're going to get Human Odo. Yeah. I I hope we get to uh, ride with him for a while. Yeah, that'd be cool. I wonder if we're going to get drunk on this episode, Adam. Great question. Uh, The only way we'll find out is by consulting the Game of Buttholes... Will of the Prophets. Uh, It's a game that you can find at gach.biz slash game. It's your roll, buddy. We are currently on square 32... We're two squares ahead. We have a Measure of a Man episode. And then a few squares past that, we have a Canar with Damar episode. That is an interesting square where each host attempts to invent a cocktail that tastes like Canar, and the other host must try their recipe. Yeah. Inflict a cocktail on each other. Yeah. A lot of homework involved with that one, because like, you have to make it up at your house and create a reproducible recipe and then send it to the other person who has to then make it at their house. I would be excited to land on that. Yeah. Uh, I have got the die in my hands. Cool. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. I'm warming it with my breath. <sighs> and here we go. Ben, I have rolled a six. Chula! <laughs> Did I win? Hardly. Whoa. Uh, I don't think I've ever rolled a six. Blowing past both of those squares. We have landed on square 38, which is a regular old episode. Damn. Uh, very exciting. Looking forward to uh, to experiencing a regular episode for season one of episode five, Adam. I began to get a little uh, sad about, you know, how quickly it feels like we're we're going through Deep Space Nine, but then I remembered 26 episode season is going to take six months. We still have uh, more than a year of Deep Space Nine to do. Oh yeah, we got we got plenty. So, yeah, so I'm not I'm not feeling bad about that at all. And I mean, from what I've heard, this is the best of Deep Space Nine ahead. So yeah, you know the future is bright. We haven't quit on Deep Space Nine like some other podcasts have. No, we're not quitters, Adam, and neither are. Our viewers, the friends of DeSoto, uh, who want to see this show go long into the future, head to MaximumFun.org slash donate and contribute to support the show on a monthly basis. It's how we make our living, and we really appreciate the folks that do it. If if it's not in the budget for you right now, you've got a lot of other ways to support. You can leave a nice review on your podcatching app of choice. Or recommend the show uh, to a friend or loved one. You can flag a bad review as inappropriate. Yeah. Uh, You could uh, put it out on social media that you like the show. Use the hashtag greatestgen on Twitter. Adam's on there at CutForTime. I'm at BenjaminAHR. And uh, while you're there, you can check out the trading cards of Bill Tilly and the poster artwork of J.J. Lendl every week. Do you like watching videos on YouTube? Sure do. If you do, uh, you can find the Greatest Gen YouTube feed, which has all of one video at this moment, but uh, (laughs) you would also find the video stylings of Adam Ragusea. He can make a damn fine video, but he can also make the great music that you hear on the Greatest Generation family of products. 
Search Adam Ragusea on YouTube. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, he uh, worked off of the inspiration of Dark Materia, who made the original Picard song our original theme song. I like to believe that his food videos are also inspired by Dark Materia. Yeah, I think uh, that's plausible. Yeah. Well, there's lots of uh, great Greatest Gen community to be had all over the internet. If you use Facebook, there are a bunch of great Facebook groups. And uh, I think there's a Discord. There's probably a Slack. There's a there's a Wikia that uh, goes in, in depth on all of the meanings of all of the jokes. Uh, I got We got a great email in our inbox uh, the other day that asks, why... We call sick bay six bay, and why we say w slash r slash t, since it's longer than wrt, and with regard to. Uh, and uh, if, if you're wondering about the answers to those questions, they're probably on the Greatest Gen Wikia. They sure are. And we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, which sounds like the title of a self-published science fiction book. (laughs) Doesn't it? (laughs) It really does. It totally does to me. It's 99 cents on the Apple Books app. It's a a stock photograph, like, cross-dissolved over, like, some weird color-timed body of water <laughs> and Starfield. Yeah. Or just like a bad CG rendering of a spaceship. Yeah. Maximumfun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.